Okay, um, is this all working? Welcome to the, uh, Sodas and Stories podcast. I am your host, Aiden, and this is my guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, certainly. My name is Rafael Tito Sedarno, and I am, come from Indonesia. Hmm. Pretty good. Um, so pretty much the topic for today is going to be um, nuclear energy as a form of mm-hmm. alternative energy. Um, I guess I'll just go at it with the uh, sources. I mean, not the sources, the talking points. Yeah. Um, I mean, the current issue right now is we have a really huge reliance on fossil fuels, which is pretty detrimental to both humanity as a whole and the environment, just because, one, it's being reliant on a source of energy that's very limited, and also... And hmm? it emits a lot of CO2, like, more CO2 than all the volcanoes. Like, if all volcanoes, like, yeah... Like if all the volcanoes in the world erupted, human we would still be creating more, like more CO two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one talking point that I hear a lot is like, oh, a single volcano produces more CO two than the entirety of humanity has ever made. That's just. I mean, yeah, I mean, like if I remember correctly, it's it, it's in between like the billions and trillions of tons of CO two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It actually reminds me, on the point of CO2, let me open up this link. Um, Apparently in California, about in 2012, they closed down a nuclear reactor and the the air quality board, if I remember correctly, the emissions inventory, literally um, found that with the closure of that single nuclear reactor... um, Hold on one second, let me... It led to a 24% increase in carbon emissions from the energy production sector. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little <sighs> educated guess right now because mm-hmm. I I have the uh, I have the data from the um, <clears throat> emissions report. So let's just find this little graph. If I can. Hmm. I love not being able to find little graphs. <laughs> oh, 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 I think I found it. Okay, so in yeah. 2011, they produced around 400 and I'd say 43 mega something tons of C. I'm gonna have to find what MMT means. Hold on one second. I have the brain of a rat. <laughs> I mean, I'm not much better. Um million metric tons okay so it produced 443 million metric tons of co2 so we'll just we'll, we'll do a little math 24 percent of so 2.4 no no 0. 0.024 increase 0. so that's 0.24 times that's like four three so that's about 10 <clears throat> 10 metric mega, well, 
10 million metric tons of CO2 that was released just because of the removal of that one reactor. So we can we can take the uh, current carbon emissions of California, which is um, it's actually been going down recently. It's right now yeah. at around um, 425 uh, million metric tons. So we take this 10.63. So 4.25 divided by 10.60. You'd only need 39 nuclear reactors in order to get rid of the entirety of the carbon emissions from the energy sector in California. Well, no, not 39, 40, because it's a rough estimation. Yeah. Yeah, and and I see this like I see this talked about, but. People are really scared that we'll have like another Chernobyl or Fukushima. Um, I think, yeah, it was Fukushima. Yeah, that is actually a um, a really big fear Wait, that I wanted to talk on. And here's um, one thing that I found out. Oh, sorry, what? Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, the rundown is Fukushima happened because you know tsunami and yeah, it was on a inevitable. Yeah. But it could have been a lot worse if the reactor was an RGP, the one that the Soviet Union used, which in turn, uh, yeah, did a number on Pripyat and mm-hmm. and the surrounding area. Yeah, because because like the difference between like an RGP reactor and the reactors, the nuclear reactors across the world is because the uh, RGP reactors don't have that same safety precautions and. And a RGB reactor is basically made so that it can use, like, uh, like I'd say not enriched nuclear rods, but, you know, Just it still like needs some raw, sort of enrichment. Or pretty much raw material. Uh, I'd say not raw, but, you know, like, hastily prepared. Oh, okay. Never yeah, prefer, but, uh, and... Sorry, what? Yeah, yeah, continue. Oh, no, sorry. No, you're um, if I remember correctly, every nuclear disaster going from Chernobyl, Fukushima, Three Mile Island, all of those were due to human error and not actual engineering failures. So if there were much better training policies and inspection policies put in place, you could probably cut down the uh, probability of an actual nuclear disaster happening by like a margin. Well, I mean, having it down to just a mere margin of actual error. Yeah, and uh, and the reason why Fukushima wasn't like Chernobyl is because like the design of the reactor itself. You see, in Fukushima, like they have they have like they have like the main building, but then there is like sort of like a barrier between between the nuclear reactor and the main building. So so when Fukushima melts down, it's the effects weren't as bad as, say, like, you know, Chernobyl and the RGB reactors because the RGB reactors don't have that protective structure in. Mm-hmm. So, so there's nothing really to contain the radiation or the explosion for the matter. Uh, which, and because of that, like, millions of millions of tons of radio- radioactive material mm-hmm. is to got released in the into the atmosphere. So it's not only training, but the structure itself. It needs to be needs to be safe. 
like you know like like yeah, if if a meltdown did happen it needs needs to minimize the destruction as much as possible because it's not if it's because it's not if it's just when well, yeah that's that's one thing but, you actually have to do when you're putting in precautions is don't expect it to be going the best it can possibly go is for how terrible it can be and actually um goes on to one thing that i've done some research in Technology for small yeah. nu modular nuclear reactors um, is really close. Like, we, we basically, we just need to get people to be on board and actually fund the construction of these things. And since they're yeah. smaller, the actual, like, danger, if they were to melt down, goes down exponentially. Just because there's such a small amount of nuclear fuel in the area. Yeah, and, and there's another thing. Nuclear waste, because, you know, like, nuclear waste usually lasts for like hundreds of thousands of years. Mm -hmm. But but that's because we haven't really advanced technology because uh, I've, heard, I've heard there's this nuclear like material called thorium. Thorium? Oh, I think you uh, cut out. Like material hundreds, thousands of years. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, so we could... So if we had more research, like do more research and improve nuclear reactors, we can use more advanced materials that will last longer and decay faster, like thorium and so forth. Well, with that, um, those are just natural existing isotopes. And the thing with that is, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to quote myself on this, but I feel like usually with, yeah. um, with radioactive isotopes, you can either put them in really thick lead barrels and put them underground and they'll literally just kind of sit there and vibe out and do nothing really or you yeah. can, or you can uh repurpose reactors which i think um certain people have been researching into is to take less efficient fuels like the strontium and cesium isotopes that are produced produced from uranium <laughs> um uranium fission reactions yeah and actually, um, on with thorium, uh, the one thing yeah. about um, that a lot of people are scared about, along with the whole terrifying reality of a like nuclear meltdown, is just like yeah, how clean and whatever the uh, and how safe to obtain the fuel is. Uranium is actually really hard to get out of the earth. When you try and mine it, it releases yeah. radon gas, which is also radioactive. But um, this element thorium. It's actually a lot easier to extract, and the uh, what we call a fertile isotope, which is basically the isotope that mm -hmm. you need to extract in order to make fuel rods, is super abundant. Far more abundant than I think the uranium. I think it's two thirty-five is what they use for most nuclear. Yeah, yeah, fuel. it's two thirty-five. Yes, so two thirty-five. I don't know the name of the isotope on the top of my head, but the your, the thorium isotope, unlike uh, two thirty-five, which is only like one point seven percent for every like well. For, in total of all the uranium on earth thorium its isotope is far more abundant which basically means we have a lot more resources to deal with it's cleaner to obtain and um it decays faster yeah it decays faster and the amount of energy of 200 tons of thorium is about the same energy as 3,500 <laughs> tons of coal which, which in turn makes it, you know, like very efficient, very energy, more efficient than, yeah. 
But let's keep in mind, uh, nuclear power is, isn't like a permanent solution because, no, 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 no. you know, it's very limited, limited resource as well, just yeah, like fossil fuel. Yeah, someday we'll but be able like to, a, well, sorry, we'll run out of like readily available thorium. And by the time that we find it's yeah. elsewhere, there's going to be like settlements on top of that. But by then, this is more of like a biting time to get to like transition off of fossil fuels. This is really what I think. Because uh, another thing about um, nuclear reactors is they're cheap mm -hmm. to maintain and and produce a lot of energy, but the initial cost to build one is still pretty high. I mean, with the small modular reactors, the price might be able to be brought down a bit, but in general, to produce the at like the uh, I'm trying to figure out the word, but like the places to store, you know, big rocks that shoot out yeah. really weird high energy particles. <laughs> and it, do it safely. Oh wait, what? Yeah. I mean yeah, it's it's it would deter a lot of investors. Mm -hmm. Because like of the high because like of like the high investment, like initial investment. Yeah, it's a really high initial investment, which it does is one problem, but I feel like currently with this the state of everything right now that price is a very worthwhile chance to take just because as long as there's not a nuclear meltdown it's literally something that just prints money because it just yeah it just steadily produces energy as long as you have people on staff <clears throat> yeah and and rem and remember Fission is not fission is not a permanent solution. There is still there there is talks about fusion energy because you know like yeah I um I've heard a lot about fusion. I haven't I haven't really put too much research into it because from what I've seen, it's still a bit of like a far off idea. Like by the time we have it, we'd probably have already like we we'd already have been like dead. Or already relying on fission and other reno renewable sources. Yeah, but yeah, but if we get if we reach the point where we have fusion, then then it would then it would not only make it make it safer because you know if a, if fusion goes wrong, it just just doesn't explode. It just kind yeah. of fizzes out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that is one thing that makes fusion a really good prospect. <laughs> And I'm definitely rooting for it, like, for the research to get done and for us to have it, like, sooner than later. It's just right now, um, like, looking in, 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 like, the realistic aspects, you're not going to be able to see, like, commercially, well, not commercial, but, like, viable. viable nuclear reactors that are, like, energy positive and not take more energy to, like, keep a stable environment for fusion to happen within the next, like, 50 years or so. Yeah, and and the other thing is, it's like you know, uh, the, like the materials to get to make to do fusion is really rare on Earth. Like you know, you have helium, but then you need helium. Like the closest thing we have is is helium three, and that's on the moon. Well, if I if I remember correctly, most most nuclear reactors that we've been using use the collision mm -hmm. between two. Um... Uh, what's the word? Two hydrogen isotopes to make helium. You take deuterium, which is one hydrogen atom with two neutrons on it, 
and then tertium, yeah. which is basically a hydrogen atom with three neutrons on it, which basically means they're heavy, unstable uh, hydrogen isotopes. So you just basically you have a, a area that's really high heat and high pressure, and you just pray to God that they like slam into each other. And since it's deuterium and tertium, when they collide, it produces a helium atom. But also there's an extra neutron that flings <laughs> out. And um, that's basically another source for energy is the neutrons that also fly out. I, well, I think that's also like a neutrons are really good at convincing other atoms to like do stuff, basically. I mean, that's the whole like point of fission is literally you just really hope that one atom decays naturally and then that de um, decay state produces a neutron and from there that's where all of it goes off yeah <laughs> but but you know until we get to that point where we can you know do fusion and stuff we mm -hmm. still have fission which is a good stepping stone but not the best because there's the risk of meltdown and nuclear waste yeah, those are definitely some crutches of um, of uh, fusion energy, but I feel like all in all, in our current it's way better than fossil. Yeah, in our current prospects, in comparison to fossil, it is definitely a way better alternative. But you can make the argument like, oh, we have solar, wind, and hydro energy, but keep in mind, we don't have an efficient way to store those energies. Yeah, bat like, like yeah. battery technology hasn't advanced like really at all in the past at least twenty years. Yeah, so so nuclear right now is our best bet. Yeah, I'd say it's like the best mm. shot to be able to not be reliant on a fuel source that's slowly killing us in our environment. Yeah. So now comes to the section where we do not talk about stuff, but we review soda. Let me go downstairs and pull up the thing that I got for this week. So, um, basically, I have a scale from like 1 to 10 for sodas based on how good they are. You start at the bottom, you have Diet Pepsi. Literally the worst thing on the face of the earth. Oh my god. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yes. And then like at a, around a 5 you have like Mountain Dew. It, it's it's kind of good, but at the same time I wouldn't... Well, no, no, no. That's not Mountain Dew. That's Fanta Orange. Fanta Orange is like kind of good, but if I had other options that weren't like diet sodas or mountain dew i i'd choose that and i yeah i don't know and then like at the top you've got the cream of the crop because you know the cream it rises to the top as <laughs> the great the great man randy savage once told us um right there you have a, you have like ginger ale sierra mist and fanta pineapple Pineapple, I never knew could make such a, a delicious tasting soda. And right here with us right now, I have from Red Rock in Atlanta, Georgia, since 1885, 
Red Rock Golden Ginger Ale. I have no idea what this is, but I, I have high hopes for it. Oh. Well, well, just do this. I have, well, if I had to rate a one, uh, that would actually be like, we have this, that would be like, <laughs> these, there's like, there's like this thing where it's like lemon water soda. Mm. It's like, just why? No. Like, you do not combine those two together. Lemon and like, water? Yeah, you know, like, it's Sprite, like, it's like the Sprite yeah, lemon yeah. water. Hmm. Yeah. Like, is it literally yeah, it just like, Oh, wait, sorry, what? The, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's literally just lemon water, but with carbonated. Hmm. Like, personally, I don't like lemon water, and especially when it's carbonated, but I'm, I can see some other people liking that. It's, it's just not my taste. Yeah, that, that's that, that's a bit odd in my opinion. Um, just took a sip of this Red Rock. I'm gonna try it again. Hmm. Okay, that is actually <coughs> that's that's really interesting. So apparently, golden ginger ale is like regular. It, it tastes like regular ginger ale, but I'd say slightly better. Mm. Like it's better than a Canada Dry. And usually, mm. like with with a Canada Dry, when you look at it, it's like a a pale, almost translucent yellow. Like it's a very like light color. Whereas this one, I'd say it's more akin to the color of like a cream soda. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty like golden in color. And the taste is basically like a Canada Dry, but like slightly better. And it has a really interesting like burn to it. Cause like, have you ever eaten pickled ginger? Um, yeah, 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 I have. Do you know, like, when you eat too much of it, it has that weird burn in the back of your throat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it ha Like, this has that, and I like it for some reason. Mm. It's actually really well, good. For, yeah. Yeah, well, for a middle point, like a five for me would be, like, we have this thing called Big Cola, Big Soda, I think. Mm -hmm. It's it's like, it's it's basically a... It's basically a bootleg, like a bootleg Coca-Cola. Like, <laughs> it's decent, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's, like, really watery. And when you put it in the fridge, like, like you know, you're like, you know how, how you have a freezer? Mm -hmm. Like, for me, if I put it, like, at the top, where, like, near the, like, at the top shelf. Yeah. Like, directly under my freezer. Like, like the soda would just freeze. Like, no joke, it would just, like, freeze solid. And I have to, like, put it outside just to thaw out. Hmm. It's... <laughs> And after that, like all the carbonation is just gone, and this is ugh. <laughs> that seems to be a, like yeah. a really running theme there in Indonesia is watered down <laughs> soda. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but at least, but at least you get like, like a three liter bottle is cheaper than like a three liter Coca Cola. Yeah. After that. And I'd say at the top of my list would be Rumea. Rumea. Like Japanese soda. Oh, like a whatever, like the Ramoon stuff, like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, Ramoon. Yeah, I personally enjoy it. I personally like really enjoy it, and even though it like costs an arm and a leg mm -hmm. for like a bottle of soda, it's it's like very much worth it in my opinion. Yeah, I I just yeah. I've tried it a couple of times, and yeah, it it's pretty good. It's like a it's like a Sprite but better. Yeah. All right, I guess that um that wraps it up for 
our little podcast. Got yeah. anything, any final message to say to the to the viewers of my cl- uh, lit comp class? Help me, we are dying here. Great work. See ya. <laughs> See ya.